Hi, everybody. This is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. And we're here for the Invested Podcast, where we're talking about investing Warren Buffett style, Charlie Munger style, what we call Rule One style. Yeah. I feel like I, I need to define it better every time we do a podcast. And we've done over, what, 200 of them. And I've defined it differently every single time, slightly. Yeah, but I really enjoy all of your different definitions. <laughs> My favorite Usually one, it's something like Warren Buffett says it's the best. So it is. Here's the, here's the hardest one is we're going to buy $10 bills for $5. It's like, yeah. whoa, that sounds really hard. And well, it doesn't the, sound hard. It just sounds like... What, where? How do you do that? Yeah, it sounds like, like what? And then there, here's the easiest one. I love okay. this one. We're going to buy something now because we know it'll be worth more in 10 years. Yeah, that's my favorite because, again, if we all knew that, none of us would have any problems in our lives with money. I know. And it's such a low bar. All it has to do is be worth more, like a dollar more in 10 years. And we have succeeded in avoiding violation of rule number one, which is don't lose money. And I know money's value over time is declining, but let's just stay to the literal interpretation. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> Speaking right, of not so rule simple, number, what's that? Bitcoin is something yeah. that I, cracked me. I was in Vancouver um, this last weekend and I got to meet with some guys. They're just fantastic. I just enjoyed it so much. These are pretty young guys caught the cryptocurrency ride. And I, hes I hesitate to say it. They have made, according to them, millions of dollars on I mean, thousands I of it. dollars. It's gone like, or Bitcoin has gone from what, like $10 to 6000 or something like that? Yeah, and given that one of these guys, actually two of them, partnered up and bought a horse that's in a show jumping on like the world class level for $750,000 a year and a half ago, I'm buying their story. I think they must have made some money someplace. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess they made it in cryptocurrency since they were willing to jump in there and buy a show jumping horse for $750,000 when they knew nothing about it. And I'm going to also say that they are extremely favored with good karma and great luck because they're selling this horse for two million, one point five to two million dollars now. Who does that? Who makes money on horses? Uh, I know I don't. So, yeah, I know okay. you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm jealous. My favorite thing is when you always like sit down and you're like, now let me tell you about this horse I just bought. It's worth this much, but it'll be worth this much in a year. And then a year later, I'm like, so are you selling that horse that's worth like double? And you're like, no, I love it too much. Or no, that, well, we're never selling that horse. Oh <laughs> I'm like, so. God. The we whole to... rationale is gone. Okay. All right. All right. So investing in things that, that, that But you know what that makes me think of, hard. Dad? What? It makes me think of Jack Canfield and his uh, advice to visualize what you want, but also be really detailed about what you want. Like he, he said, if you buy a yacht, like know how much the slip is going to cost and the maintenance and all that. It's mm -hmm. like, if you want a horse, know where you're going to keep it and know what you're going to do with it in the next few years sell it or keep it forever and like love it or hopefully like send it off to a better home. Like have a plan. Have a plan. I, you know what Jack said is if you're, if you're planning a financial goal, 
um, you really want to do it the way you call a travel agent. I love that. It was so cool. Yeah, I did too. I really enjoyed talking to him. It was a good yeah, little like Jack is amazing. Uh, high level motivational seminar for me. <laughs> it was. It was, and and for me too. I mean, I, I really get pumped when I when I listen to him. I know. I could tell by the end. You were like, I'm gonna do everything, Jack. I got it. We're gonna do it. <laughs> We were gonna do our his like ten day whatever that was. Like, and, I, and I'm on day. I'm on lesson six. I'm doing. Me too. It. I've been getting the emails. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm telling you. You know, I I get all pumped up when I get a chance to get better, and uh, and Jack Jack makes it. He's distilled so much to be better, and that's a lot what we try to do on the podcast here as well as to distill the teaching of the best investors in the world, who, in my opinion, all invest pretty much exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, just studying and studying and study Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger because they've changed so many lives and made so many millionaires out, out of learning how to do what they do. And coming back to my friends in Vancouver who are so successful with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, um, a lot of people up there are are excited about trading that stuff. Right. Yeah. And they ask me, yeah. are you investing in Bitcoin? And, people keep asking hmm. me that, too. Right. I'm like, I don't really even understand what it is, frankly. So what we're going to do today and next week is do some short and dirty episodes on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain. And because we get it right. Well, I was just going to say, let's be real about this. Neither you or I or are in any way experts on this subject. So take everything we say with a mountain of salt yeah. and go do your own research for sure. Yeah. But we're going to do the best we can just from our own reading, our own research, our own talking to people because it, it's such a hot topic right now and people keep asking us about it. Oh my gosh, at every single workshop we're doing now, people are asking about it because there's so many stories now about people starting with a little bit of money and making a lot of money with uh, with this currency, uh, cryptocurrencies. And um, let's start with the basic though. Um, okay. When they ask if I'm investing in a cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, I would argue that that's not investing under any scenario no matter how much you know about it, we're going to define investing as getting assets that have cash flow. And and the reason that we're going to require assets to have cash flow, of course, Bitcoin has no cash flow um, any more than gold does, say, or a Picasso. All of these things have potentially great value and they may go up like a rocket, but they don't have cash flow. And because they don't have cash flow, it is extremely difficult to know what they're worth. Like with something with cash flow, a rental house, a condo, um, uh, you know, a, a company that has cash flow, we can determine, you know, if we're capable of understanding the business, what that cash flow would look like out into the future, roughly, and then come up with a value based on that cash flow. And then we can hope for a discount to that value, right? And give ourselves right. a margin of safety. But without being capable of understanding what the future cash flow looks like, gosh, it's really, I don't think it's possible to know what a thing is worth. You know, you pay for a Picasso $15 million. I mean, you know, I mean, two years from now, it might be $1 million. I mean, who who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I can't use any of the ways that you've taught me to value a business on a currency or really on most commodities, but especially currency. I mean, there's just no like, 
inherent value to any of these things. And by the way, let's just let's be clear with our our words. So cryptocurrency is just the general word for these virtual currencies. And then Bitcoin is a specific form of currency. So it's like, you know, general, like normal money currency out of, you know, a sovereign country would be in the US would be the dollar. And this is general cryptocurrency. And then Bitcoin is a specific form of it. And there are other ones and they have names, which I've forgotten already, but they do exist. And if you check them out online, um, you can see that people are investing in different forms, not just Bitcoin. Right. And there's there's some basic things they have in common. So let's kind of start with that, maybe. Um, And that is that it's a um, digital currency. It's digital, right? It's online. Good point. Yes. I was saying virtual. Would you say those are different? um, Digital versus virtual. Virtual. I would say they're the same. Yeah, probably. Um, Maybe maybe virtual virtual is the wrong world. Yeah, maybe virtual is the wrong word because it is usable in the real world. So So all right, digital, digital. Digital. Number one. And number two, they use a form of uh, a, a ledger, you know, keeping track of who who's what, who owns what, um, called blockchain, which is yes. the really and this major is what I find really interesting. Here. Yes, yeah. exactly. It turns out that Bitcoin is actually not the most interesting part of this. It's just right. the most famous part. Right. But blockchain is the real invention. Right. And so, Dad, I, what's everybody's blockchain? That. It's a it's really interesting. It's a distributed ledger. In other words, it's a it's a ledger that's replicated and distributed and checked a million times across, you know, all these computers around the world um, that are mining the Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency. So there's a kind of a uh, and I hope I get this right. Forgive us if I don't have it perfect. There's a there's a basically a computer program that will allow you to check the ledgers around on computers everywhere to determine that they're all in sync and they're all all syncing all the time with specific Mm -hmm. codes that make it almost impossible to screw it up. And you end up with this amazing quality to a cryptocurrency, which is that a government will have a great deal of problem in trying to determine who owns what. It's incredibly right. anonymous and it's incredibly secure. Uh, that doesn't mean it's totally secure, man. Every, I'm assuming everybody, everything can be broken, but it's incredibly secure. Hmm. And um, essentially, this process of mining the cryptocurrency, in other words, the people who are willing to go check the ledger get paid for that by having, in the case of Bitcoin, you get a coin for doing a check, for taking it one time through. And okay. you know, it gets harder and harder the more Bitcoins are out there to check it one time through, which is also a problem with cryptocurrency, is it could get slower and slower and slower depending on how many people are using it, depending on how widely dispersed it is. But aside from that, the blockchain technology has created a kind of super secure structure by distributing these ledgers that could be used by banks. It could be used by lots of places. And there's a lot of different companies that are starting to look at how to use blockchain technology in their own business 
to distribute yeah. the ledger. Yeah, right the, now, the I mean, blockchain part is is the part that that really makes Bitcoin and cryptocurrency make sense for me. So blockchain, as you said, is the best analogy that I saw. I was trying to research this stuff. And the best analogy I found was that typical currency, typical markets are like uh, Microsoft Word. So if bear with me, bear with me. Okay, so, be good. All right. <laughs> uh, this, this is, is an analogy. Explaining Bitcoin. Go. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is just someone trying to figure it out. So this analogy compares like typical Microsoft Word on your computer to Google Docs. Typical Microsoft Word on your computer is local to your computer. And if you're working with somebody else on a document, I'm sure we've all been through this, you do it on your computer, you email it to the other person, or you share it with them on like Dropbox or something. And when they are using that document, you are locked out of it because you can't both make changes at the same time. That is typical currency, typical markets. So uh, let's get away from currency. We're trying to talk about blockchain. So yeah. that's a typical market versus Google Docs was created specifically to handle that problem wherein you can both be in a document at the same time and both edit it at the same time and see the changes in real time. So it's not a perfect analogy, and, and I think for blockchain experts there would be some exceptions to that, but roughly that's, that's, the, way I, that's the way we think about it, is with blockchain everything gets changed across the entire network all at the same time, and multiple people even millions can be in the blockchain changing it all at the same time and those changes go across it instantaneously. And they're so secure. That's the thing. It's well, secure. It's right. And they're secure. So I don't understand that part. I have to say that. I, I'm sort of mystified at how how it can really be this extraordinarily secure thing. I think it's something I mean I know that what they say is that it's something to do with that no one access point can like infiltrate the whole thing, something like that. But it kind of sounds to me like actually they can. And that's kind of the whole point of the whole thing. Well, it's like I was reading what Richard Branson was saying about it. He's a big fan of blockchain technology and, and, and says he thinks that it's an economic revolution that is now underway. Um, and he was specifically mentioning that a potential application of blockchain apart from cryptocurrency that might help us understand it a little bit is that in developing countries, you know, land titles are often forged or they're just taken from the rightful property owners. Yep. And a blockchain solution would prohibit a government or an individual from ripping off your rightful ownership. Once you have established a rightful ownership in a blockchain structure, as far as I can tell so far, it can't be taken away. Yeah, there's also an idea for smart contracts, which is really interesting from a lawyer point of view. Um, wherein you put in the terms of the contract, particularly with escrow, this would be really useful. And you say, okay, with an escrow, you know, we have a six-month escrow. In six months, the money goes to this person. And you enter it in, and it happens automatically six months later, and nobody can mess with it. And as law corporate lawyers know, lots of people try to mess with escrows all the time. So, uh, so that's a, it's a really interesting application of it. Now, the question is, what happens when governments start to feel nervous that their um, their monopoly on currency um, is starting to be attacked? And um, one 
one idea of what might happen or a couple ideas of what might happen. One, one occurred a couple months ago in China when China basically, I, I don't know if this is too strong, but they basically outlawed mining of Bitcoin and um, and Bitcoin dropped from, I think, $4,000 down to $2,000 almost overnight in terms of its uh, value against the dollar. Mm. But you the response was that the miners moved to Japan. I mean, it, it's like, can a government really clamp down on this? And then when we talked to some cryptocurrency experts, they basically said, yeah, this is China playing to get into the game, drive the price down, jump in, and then open it all back up again. Now they've got control. Um, so there's some yeah. big players in there. Now, the other thing that happened just yesterday was that Vladimir Putin came out and said, we're going to have new regulations around cryptocurrencies, including you have to register to mine the stuff in Russia, and they're going to apply security law to what's called an ICO. Like we have initial public offerings for stocks with coins, with cryptocurrency, they have initial coin offerings, ICOs. So they actually published this this weekend, um, and it's probably the most direct move so far that the Russians have taken to uh, get on top of all of this. Um, so, it, I mean, it's no question in I my think, mind that governments yeah. will get real involved, right? I think that's exactly what you're seeing, that governments are getting involved because they don't quite know what to make of this, just like anybody else, and they don't want to get left out in the cold. So it's you see it from these authoritarian countries like China and Russia. Let's make sure that we have control of this. It's and a scary technology because the whole point is to not have control of it. Yeah, and the, and the thing is it started, it got its edge in 2009 when we started to see the financial system start to have serious problems where um, you would have money in a bank, let's say, well, you know, money in a financial institution that is owed to you. They owe you the money and they're good for it, but they can't get the money because they're owed money by somebody else in an also really good financial institution who's mm. good for it, who's mm. owed money by somebody who's not good for it and yeah. fails. And then yeah. you have this collapse of one financial institution after the other that can't pay off. And blockchain and Bitcoin were pushed into that environment as a solution to that problem. Oh, now that's interesting. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first I mean, blockchain, bit. yeah, I just, right, like that's the first bit. Let's wrap up by saying blockchain is an extraordinary technology that I'm glad I've now researched a bit because it's not going away. And I can see now that we're at the very beginning of it. It's kind of a lot like the internet at the beginning when we had all these new companies coming out and you look back 20 years and you barely see any companies that are still around from that right. time. Right. But they started the whole thing. I mean, like think back to like Netscape and stuff. Like nobody yeah. uses, Netscape doesn't exist. But yeah. because of Netscape, we have Safari and Google Chrome and Firefox and whatever you use. Yeah. So I think we're kind of in that space with blockchain where we're really at the very beginning. And, uh, you know, Brad Feld, who's a venture capitalist in Boulder, always says he thinks the machines have already taken over. I'd say this is the machines taking over, taking over in Boulder. real time. And <laughs> let's talk next time about why Warren Buffett in 2014, Buffett, a notably non-technology guy, um, came out, but a very smart guy, came out and said, this thing is a mirage and it isn't any really any different 
than just sending a fast check. Let's talk about that. Next yeah, time. I want to hear what we as investors should we do should be doing about this. Okay, very cool. Until then, right. I guess time to go play. See ya. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you gotta do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.